Field and Ian Harris. It's episode 152 for the 15th of October, 2010. James, how are you doing? I am most excellent, thanks, Ian. And uh, here we are on the virtual couch. In episode 152, where we're going to cover our normal eclectic mix of digital media and entertainment stories, um, and maybe some wacky stuff too. And you can send us your feedback at any time, or to feedback at onthecouchpodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. Tell your friends, write us a review on iTunes, and uh, enjoy the next half an hour. Excellent. So, what we talk about, Ian? Well, we're going to try and cover what happens in the world of uh, business news, technology news, content delivery, getting it onto devices and how it's distributed. And uh, mobile news, obviously uh, lots of mobile news this week. Gaming and perhaps some other stuff. Indeed. So, without further ado, um, let's pile into the first story, which is about, I guess, business and kind of related also to kind of mobile gaming mm-hmm. and I guess I don't know if this is the first big story but now we're going to obviously mess up on the pronunciation here <laughs> um, but Japanese gaming company Dina uh, DNA uh, has announced plans to purchase Nkomo no Moko or something <laughs> 400 million, 400 million. Um, which is now, which is the f- highest amount ever paid for an iPhone application development firm now can you name a game that Mo- Moko none. have developed None. And I think the, the reason being here is this is obviously a deal in Japan oh, between see. Japanese companies. And I think this is, um, it looks like it's kind of like the Farmville okay. of Japan or the Zynga, I suppose, um, which is one of these social gaming where you, mm-hmm. you know, accessorize your, your characters a bit like, um, was it Nico or something? The one that did Kart Racer in uh, Korea? Something like that. Um, so you can, that's a lot of virtual things, isn't it? It is. So does this give you some indication about the size of the, the iPhone and the portable gaming market now? Well, I guess it's just growing, I suppose. Um, mm. But uh, it's big. It's big. I mean, maybe, you know, you you and I as iPhone users are sort of losers, really, because it's all going Android, right? That's the, or maybe it isn't. But that's another, more of that later on. Indeed. Um, so we have, the, uh, <laughs> we have a statement from the founder and chief executive, uh, Mr. Namba, who described his aggressive forward-thinking vision to the New York Times as the big tide in social gaming is coming right now. We'd like to capture it and quickly become the world's number one mobile gaming platform. Um, so they're certainly planning on doing more big things. That's aggressive. And clearly it must be making real money or Japanese banks are lending yeah. pretty easily. One, yeah. of the, one of the few. Though. Right now, um, in the technology area, now we've heard mm-hmm. a lot about augmented reality, yeah. haven't we, in the past? And indeed we've all had a little go on some of the augmented reality apps on, on our uh, magic smartphones. Now, I thought this was mm. quite interesting. This is more the antithesis of augmented <laughs> reality, known as, I don't know if it's known as diminished reality, but um, the ability in real time to eliminate objects in video feeds, more or less. Yeah, I, I didn't quite get the point of this until I, I yeah. had a look at the video and then went, wow, that's actually pretty cool. <laughs> the way it works is you kind of find an area within the video and somehow, and it's all very tricky, it works out what, uh, how that's different from the background. It seems to work best on um, sort surfaces, of to be honest. patterned or flat backgrounds, yeah. And it kind of somehow copy the other areas around it. It's like you do when uh, you, you and, remove someone from a photograph or something like that. It's a similar, it's basically yeah. doing the same thing and some clever person has realised actually 
we can do that in pretty much near real time because mm. it's not a particularly hard problem and computers can do a lot in uh, 50 milliseconds. So. <laughs> they can these days. So it doesn't, in live video, uh, frame by frame, replacing this, uh, like you put a, I don't know, the example I have is like putting something on a desk and then you kind of, but you can move the camera around, uh, you know, three-dimensionally and it's still removing the, uh, the object. Yeah, so take a look in the show notes and you'll see a little link to that. So uh, it is... It's not perfect, but I mean, it's a pretty good sort of um, intern project kind of thing, I'd say. Um, not not uh, that particularly uh, amazing, but uh, I don't know. So, like we were always talking about the other, these idea of having contacts uh, in your eyes that then can add things in and uh, uh, can uh, show you information about what's around. Maybe it's also going to be able to remove things that you don't want to see. Well, someone could plant a virus in your magic content lenses, so you you can't see them. <laughs> That's true. That would be, I guess, yeah. like the Matrix, isn't it? You'd be you'd essentially upload a program that makes you invisible. Invisibility cloak. Mm-hmm. So, uh, indeed, invisibility <laughs> cloaking code. Brilliant. Indeed. We thought about it first, folks. Um, now, also, um, there's a little bit of a story we've got here about UView, which is this. Um, oh, yeah. I heard this guy um, Anthony Rose speak actually this week. Um, at a conference thing in London. It was uh, interesting. He lost his voice because he'd uh-huh. been speaking at this other event, which we've got a little story about here. Right. Um, which is Mashup TV. Um, and this this guy is kind of, he's, he's ex-BBC. Um, and obviously, so he's, he's very much, he's no longer working for the BBC. He's working for UView, of which the BBC is a major sponsor. Uh, and I think he's saying here about, well, you know, I think he's trying to... on TV aren't really necessarily going to work. Yeah. I mean, I think he's trying to compare what's happening in the world of... I mean, he obviously comes from a broadcast background compared with uh, what he describes as the Silicon Valley kids like Canapple um, and how they've forgotten about linear television and how, fundamentally, I mean, this is what we always say, mm. people want to sit down and watch TV and have professional... Exactly, and that's what he was talking about at the conference I was at right. as well, basically saying that, you know, it's going to be the best TV experience. Okay. Um, blending together online and, and broadcast, broadband... Um, whether they can deliver on it mm-hmm. is a bit of a tough one. He was talking about doing everything in time for um, the Olympics in 2012 wow. in London, um, but certainly they've got a bit of a, a I mean, bit of a struggle. It's very there, hard say, to build a complete infrastructure, infrastructure, especially in this case where yeah. And apparently they're looking to supply kind of a middleware for oh really sets or boxes. Okay, there's a big job. Which yeah. <laughs> that's a big job. Um, so good luck mm. to him. There we go. Or, uh, there'll be something there but it'll all be open source and wonderful and free and great oh okay um, but I guess that the most interesting part actually was you know in the, the program licensing terms and content delivery side of things that uh-huh. typically if I'm a if I'm an LG or a Samsung I've got to buy a license to run content on my screen yep. um, what they're doing in the UView space is actually buying the licenses for UView enabled products mm-hmm. so it sort of should break that logic oh, okay that's interesting but that's, you know, it's a mm. great model um, mm. if it works. But obviously then within that licensing space, you could then say, well, only in certain territories mm. and only, you know, and it could, they're going to create, the, an interesting thing I thought as well is creating more regions okay. as well. So, you know, regional oh, programming. Cool. Um, doing, I guess, a combination of GOIP and listening to which multiplex you're on on the terrestrial service. So it'll be interesting. Mm. Okay. Well, we're certainly trying to tackle a few interesting things. Um, so moving on to content delivery, mm. we've got... Uh, Love Film, which is the uh, Netflix equivalent in the UK, is that really what you'd say? Yeah, yeah. Well, in Europe, in fact, yeah, I think right. it's, it's not just it's big, big in the UK, but it's also uh, 
and mm-hmm. they're in, in France, Netherlands, Germany, I think, as well. But uh, yeah, so they're coming to the PS3. Another download near Fantastic. you. Um, the PS3 is coming out pretty thick and fast with downloads, actually. Yeah, there's the the 3D fix that came mm-hmm. the other day, and uh, but you know, there's got to be a limit here. Got, just <laughs> there's only so much space in there. Third party services. That's right. Well, I don't think it's so much that. It's more, you know, it must mm. cost the money to QC releases and they can't just keep on doing it. Exactly. So. Well, they say that uh, Love Film will be available on the cross-media bar. Is that like the menu on PS3s? Is that right? Yeah, the XMB thing. Right, okay. Quite, and think. all internet-connected PS3s yeah. providing most subscribers access to thousands of titles from major studios and independents. Yeah, I must admit, I've got Love Film and I haven't watched it in a long <laughs> Have you tried their player? Do they have a player? Um... Uh, well, to be honest, I mean, I do it for the Blu-rays and, you know, I'm not going to get Blu-ray experience on a download anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, we shall see. Now, um, the next thing is, we've got on the list here, is Zune coming to the Mac. Now, I think this is kind of relating okay. to the Windows 7 phone. Oh, right. Think about it. Well, we'll talk about that in mobile. But clearly, you uh-huh. can't have a smartphone that only works on one platform. And obviously, even iOS, iPhones and iPads work on, they don't work on Linux, to be fair. Um, but Microsoft are still, I don't know if they're flogging the dead horse or... Um, <laughs> the, the, the Zoom hasn't even got out of the US yet. No, I and I, it, I mean, when it came out, I, I did kind of see it in stores and go, oh, wow, there's, there's, that's, a, that's what it looks like, because in Europe it's just absolutely non-existent now. After a couple of years well, now... Yeah, they're quite nice. Yeah, actually. it's a nice little device. Must admit, did, nice simple yeah. menuing system. The whole thing's, whole thing's quite lovely. But... Hmm. What does it what does it say that it's never made it out of the US in the last two years? Is that right? Yeah, well, I mean, let's face it, it's a it's a long way behind the the pod type of products. Mm. So uh, mm. we'll look and see that. But you know, Zoom coming to the Mac, obviously, that's I think it's a logical thing to happen if you're serious about mm-hmm. Windows Seven Phone, which is a bit of a mouthful, but uh, that's quite cool. <laughs> no, it's Windows Phone Seven. Is it, uh, whatever. <laughs> or is it? No, no, it's Windows. Oh, I don't know. Windows Phone Seven, um, which is personal <laughs> and yours and. Delightfully yours, I think, and I'll tell you about that. Delightfully yours. Um, um, interestingly, the, I read this week that Macs now make up 10% of all PC sales in the US. Oh, well, that's... That's quite a significant... Uh, it's now like the third or fourth biggest uh, retailer of PCs in the US. That's quite amazing, isn't it? But that's a retail, is it? Because obviously you've got different markets where there's, there's you know, online or... Uh, oh, for sure. So. I think it's behind Acer and uh, uh, Acer, HP, Acer, and Dell. Yes. Yeah. And then, yeah. quite amazing. Mm. Um, so, uh, and Yahoo Messenger takes on FaceTime. They're, they're launching a, a video calling, I guess, which works over 3G as well as mm-hmm. um, Wi Fi, I guess. And I think uh, Fring does that as well. Mm. Um, the funny thing here is that I'm, I'm not so surprised that Yahoo Messenger has a video client attachment for the iPhone, but where's Skype? Come on, guys. There's no video calling on Skype on iPhone 4s. What's going on? Not. Well, they had trouble, remember, getting um, just regular Skype on iPhone. Well, Because yeah. they were worried about, um, you know, they initially had to say it not available on 3G or mm. limited time, mm. and then they've kind of gone over that because I guess the networks were worried about people well first of all if you're a phone network you don't want people using minutes for free <laughs> that's right effectively yeah uh, and, and equally minutes for free on an unlimited mm-hmm. data tower if you mm-hmm. want that either um, but I think that's the, the sort of line that yeah, the Skype treads indeed with, uh, it's the, the funny thing is when you so when you actually make a Skype call on an iPhone over a 3G network if you've got a good 3G connection 
then the voice quality is mm. far superior even to a normal telephone. But then that's because the codec standards are so old and oh, they're at a premium, so they're not. It's really just kind of funny that you can data, not use the, the actual phone network and use the same device and get, uh, get much better quality audio. It's quite amazing. Yeah. Well, in fact, I mean, even Yahoo, to be honest, on taking on FaceTime, I mean, iChat, mm-hmm. which is built into every Mac, which is their kind of Skype equivalent, runs on oh, the really? network, as far as I'm aware. So, yeah. which is the Yahoo. So, you know, the interconnectedness of everything is becoming a bit like the car <laughs> industry. Isn't it? It's all the same car um, after all. Twitter usage. I also noticed on Dig, actually, Dig's taken a bit of a dive. Have you seen that recently? They did a... Yeah, it's like... Well, they, they did a, a major release to move their infrastructure to Dig4, and I think they uh, lost a lot of users, mm-hmm. a lot of big outages, and I'm not sure they're going to recover from that, actually. We'll wait and see. But you've got a story here about Twitter. Yeah. So. So this is Twitter, and um, what's quite amazing is that, <laughs> uh, I mean, there's billions of billions, billions and billions and billions of tweets in the mm-hmm. world, right? So um, the, they did a study to try and work out, well, what happens to those tweets? <laughs> Does anyone read them? Um and uh, I guess the kind of write once, read never memory. <laughs> kind of um, yeah, they came out with some quite surprising, um, uh, surprising results. What they found is that uh, about thirty-one percent, uh, twenty about twenty twenty-nine thirty percent of tweets actually get some sort of reply or retweet, which okay. is their kind of method of um, you know confirming that someone's actually done something with that content. Seventy-one percent yeah. gets no reaction whatsoever. Um, but that's still, yeah. I mean, I would have thought it'd be close to like 99.9% of all tweets get no reaction exactly. whatsoever. But no, um, yeah. I, I'm actually surprised how big that number is. Um, yeah, I think you're, you're probably right there, because it is a bit of a bizarre scenario, isn't it? I mean, there's uh, so many little... Certainly no one's ever retweeted me. <laughs> oh, I'll retweet <laughs> you, James, don't you worry. <laughs> you never <laughs> tweet, tweet very much. <laughs> I tweet matters of consequence. That's the, uh, there you go. I think that's the, the, the clue there is... is uh, Maybe people are a bit more reserved in their tweeting. Mm. I mean, I know I have followed people who have done the kind of now opening my eyes, now going to the toilet <laughs> kind of stuff, which isn't exactly, you know, retweeting, no, is it? Well, um, apparently 92% of all retweets happen in the first hour, so that gives you some idea about the, the currency, uh, the concurrency of, um, of the information. And uh, of all the ones that actually get a reply, 85% get one reply, and... Uh, Ten percent get about two replies, and it's down to one one and a half percent to get three replies. So, it, it, that must be a fun bit of analysis. <laughs> it's uh, it's quite a quite directed in terms of, um, people that actually respond to things. So, I don't know. I just thought that was uh, yeah, interesting yeah. kind of um, analysis of of what actually happens on the platform. I guess there's there's billions of tweets now enough that people can actually uh, do this sort of analysis. Hmm. I guess it's been to see how they do it, but I guess it must have come it's from Twitter. But have a look in the show notes and get hmm. more details on that. Now, um, Windows 7 phone, whatever. <laughs> um, simultaneous launch mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. London and New York, I think. I did actually waste a bit of my life watching the launch. Um, and what did you think, James? Is it, does it get you excited? There was this funny thing where uh, Steve Ballmer was there and, and the chief user experience guy there, who was quite an interesting mm-hmm. bloke. It was very intimate. Right. Um, and they had this funny table that sort of, he stood there and then this table kind of came out and moved around him with seven phones on it and then disappeared again in a behind a little curtain. And it was clearly on a rope or something. Really? <laughs> so it was hey. quite, it was quite, um, <laughs> you would have thought they would have had a dolly and rails or something, but it just didn't look <laughs> quite so good. Um, right. 
and a bloke showing pictures of his kids and look how easy it is to do this and it did look genuinely kind of things you'd want to do like I want to take a photograph really quickly and do something <laughs> with it when I take it in my pocket and yeah you could do that right. so things they're thinking more about things you want to do mm-hmm. um, they didn't have cut and paste which was weird uh, mm-hmm. but they said at the end oh we haven't got it in this release but it's coming right. um, and it genuinely did look uh, more social network integration so you could see exactly what's going on mm-hmm. um, and you could the, the interface is quite different but um no, it's uh, just a, a different, more more uh, use case centric as opposed to app centric. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? Um, okay. Definitely not a not a bad deal. Um, and it was the it was like uh, delightfully different and personally yours. That was the cheesy phrase. It was just a bit too cheesy. I think that was the. <laughs> well, they have to do something because you know the whole uh, the whole world's getting Android is is as we've seen some. It's yeah, I think I'm sure you could get an Android just doing exactly the same as Windows Seven Phone. There was nothing; it was more features rather than look what the OS can do and right. this kind of stuff. Okay. Um, quite a few launch phones. I'm sure you might even see them in the shops in the US. Um, no, get to see when I'll have a play. Yeah. Now, um, gaming. You you presumably have downloaded Cut the Rope. Mm. Mm. Yes, now, no. this is a. Uh, I saw a review of this on uh, on Ars Technica, so I thought, oh well, how, how bad can it be for was it the sixty nine p or whatever it is in, in the UK? Yeah, yeah. This is the from the same guys that that wasted our lives with Angry Birds. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. It's all so it's all physics based, um, and mm-hmm. basically you um, it's puzzles, isn't it? Yeah. You've got to get string bits of string, and you've got bits of candy to feed some funny monster, and you've got to get <laughs> stars or something. Sounds really wacky. Like. It is, but very cute and very. Like it's simple but puzzling at the same time. Like the like like mm-hmm. the best of games, it's uh, the concept is simple, but the the actual execution of it um, is is quite difficult. And any oh, I'll try one more go. I'll just have another go at getting that. And then you know it, it comes down to timing as well as kind of um, no, there are a gazillion levels. Oh, yeah, puzzle solving. And um, to be fair, like I've done enough of Plants vs Zombies now to know that there are no more new... I mean, nothing really new is happening now. Like, there's there's only so many different plants you can get. You can only use so many at one time. <laughs> the zombies keep yes. coming. Um, so, uh, you've yeah. got to kind of move it's on. You end up wasting time with unlimited zombie level. That's the... Uh, <laughs> so, uh, where well, you just can't win. Yeah. I've been... Um, I've been... Uh, getting, you've been cutting your rope. <laughs> cutting my rope and getting everyone else I know to, to cut the rope as well. It's, uh, it's a fun little game, so I definitely recommend that one. Uh, but I, th- I think what's interesting here is the, the kind of rise of... Um, physics-based games. Uh, I mean, Angry Birds is yeah. very physics-based. You know, all the blocks and things move like in, you know, sort of like in real life. Uh, in Cut the Rope, it's yeah. all kind of swing and uh, and gravity and all that kind of stuff that, that you know, it, it feels kind of real. Well, a bit like the kind of Loco Roco was the first one there. I remember yeah, the absolutely. Absolutely. PSP. That was quite physics-based. Really. It was indeed, yeah. absolutely. Loco Roco, I'm a surprised it I guess it wouldn't come out because it's a Sony game isn't it but it's yeah. not going to come out on an iPhone that's a shame that or anything else but that would be a really cool game with the, it would um, be it would be beautiful on iPhone mm. yeah I do miss that game that was a great game yeah that was good cute, cute sound very Japanese very cute it. indeed right um, other gaming news I guess uh, Medal of Honor has come out in the UK Ooh. Um, now that's one of your favourites isn't it because that's the one where you could play as the Taliban <laughs> oh that's right so, yeah, but I think it's just more marketing hype at the end uh-huh. of the day. It's just another shooting game, isn't it? Um, yep, around shooting people. Now, 
I guess we've got in the other category. Definitely the other category and a uh... couple of wacky <laughs> things. Um, now I'm not sure how real this is, um, but there was a. You know, we've all been to the Golden Arches mm-hmm. once in a while, um, but there's this video. Someone did a time lapse video of a standard Happy Meal or something, just like a burger and fries, mm-hmm. and just uh, left it on the table. There, allegedly yeah. stuck it on their table in their New York apartment. For six months, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, six months and um, took a photo every day or something. Um, no, yeah, and then <laughs> it's kind of weird that you know you'd go to someone's apartment and go, "Oh, you appear to have your your Happy Meal still on your." <laughs> Nobody on your even ate table. a chip. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, but basically, yeah, I mean, lots of theories here that basically the burger and fries don't even change at no, all. They, in they six get months. a little, little more um, wizened, but there's no mold and no um, no mold. Yeah, and, no, and people say it's a fake, there's no dust, you know. Oh, there's even been some debate about um, it, hasn't there? <laughs> yeah, or big controversy. But then other people have done similar things where they've stuck Big Macs uh-huh. in jars and stuff. But I think you stick it in a jar, it's That's... a bit of a different environment to an air-conditioned, mm. you know, dust-free, <laughs> sealed New York apartment. But uh, still, it doesn't encourage me to go to McDonald's, that's for sure. Well, um, We're not a sponsor of this podcast. <laughs> uh, yep. We don't have any sponsors. But, um... What's your story? Well, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm sure you've seen the story, James, that uh, the Russians have come up with an ingenious idea in this age of austerity to uh, expand their military hardware by basically getting crea- uh, creations made out of um, uh, out of silk and knitting them all together and then blowing them up so that you end up with basically blow-up tanks. As in inflating them, not blowing them up. As in- <laughs> exactly, so putting air into them. Uh, so you end up with blow-up tanks and missile launchers. But these have been around for a long time. I would have thought so, but uh, they, they reckon yeah. these ones that are... Well, since the, the dawn of aerial um, photography, aerial sort of space, mm. you know, the, the Blackbird mm. SR-71s and spy satellites. Um, even, you know, Saddam Hussein back in the day was using these puppies <laughs> as well. Fantastic. Um, so these ones are... So maybe the, the WMDs were just... <laughs> just uh, blow-up... <laughs> inflatable <laughs> scuds or something. Well, you know, if you if you, um, if you don't have the real thing, then the inflatable version uh, can often substitute. I was surprised too. I think they someone said, "Oh, they're you know at one tenth of the cost." So it's still very expensive. I mean, one, one, yeah, I mean, these things I mean, cost millions of dollars. It, just because they're now hundreds of thousands of dollars doesn't. I wouldn't have thought that that. But they must be sprayed with some nasty gook so they can. Well, apparently they the, the radar actually radar sees them as as real things, so they must have some sort of magic stuff in and presumably they've got some heat sources or something inside them as well so they look oh yeah something. good point um, but the main thing is they don't go bang well they just sort of go <laughs> well yeah. unless you pop them <laughs> exactly um so uh, uh, well that probably probably wraps us up for episode 152 indeed, and, uh, apologies to you all for the audio quality but um hopefully you can hear what we're saying yeah we're all indeed Well, have a good week, James, and I'll catch you next week on number 153. Bye from me, James. And bye from me, and cheers. This episode of On The Couch Podcast is brought to you by embeddedadventures.com, your source for embedded kits and things to play with. 